Good morning. Good morning. So uh, we got, uh, today's a great day, but today's a challenging day because God laid this text on us. This is the second week we're in the book of Jonah on a really challenging text uh, that has a lot of really good adult themes. And with a lot of kids present, I'm going to do my best to rise above and speak over the top of them. So I'm going to need you guys to make some connections for me. Does that make sense? All right, it's just, it's just the way it is. It's going to be safe. It's going to be okay. But p- parents and adults, I just need you to kind of up your game a little bit this morning, okay? So what happens, you, you may be familiar with this story. God says to Jonah, this Old Testament, he says, hey, why don't you go to the city of Nineveh? And Jonah says, no way, Jose, I'm not going. And he turns around 180 degrees and jumps on a boat going the other way. But just like the peekaboo game, God always knows where you're at. And God loved and God had compassion on the people of Nineveh. And so he wasn't going to give up. And so he pursues Jonah by creating this great storm. And Jen, the other sailors on that, on that boat end up throwing this guy overboard because he told them to. And then the storm stopped. And you may be familiar with the story. This is the part people always remember is God sent this big fish to swallow him up. He lived in there for three days, still alive. The fish spits him out on the ground. And that's what we remember about the story of Jonah. But the story of Jonah is all about God pursuing humanity. God pursuing humanity. God, a God of compassion and a God of justice and a God of love pursuing those who don't deserve it. And if I could just summarize what we've heard this morning, whether it's in song or whether it's in the readings that we've heard or the things we've talked about, we live in a world of chaos. And God gives us this gift, and I think this is a great image, the eye of a storm, the eye of a hurricane. And he can grant, because he's God, to grant you peace in the midst of the chaos in your life or around us, right? God bless you. And as we just sang... I am no longer a slave to what? Fear. And maybe you can put your own message in that blank. I am no longer a slave to ideologies. I'm no longer a slave to despair. I'm no longer a slave to pride and arrogance. I'm no longer a slave to the guilt and shame that I feel about whatever it is in my past. That God loves the unlovable even when they're unlovable. That God pursues and says, I've given you my son Jesus Christ. He lived a perfect life. He lived the life you could not live. And he died the death that we deserve to die. But he gives us peace and mercy and grace. And he just asks that we would agree with the statement that I'm broken and I'm weary. That without him, my life is completely chaotic. And that he wants to renew and just have a relationship with me. And so that's why in the beginning, we so often here at Resurrection, we just come before God and say, Hey God, life is chaotic. And sometimes I'm the cause of the chaos. I am the hurricane. 
Sometimes it's the hurricane in my own heart. Sometimes it's the hurricane in my head. Sometimes that hurricane comes outside of my mouth. Or am I the only one who has hurricanes coming out of their mouth? Yeah, it's all right. I can stand on my own two feet. And this is what's so interesting that God in God's character, he continues to love people even though they make themselves unlovable. And this is why we come back week after week because I live a, 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 a week and I live a life that I, I want to walk, right, as a good model for my kids. And then they get to see the best of me and they also get to see the worst of me, right? And I want to I be a good husband, I want to be loving and I want to be sacrificial. And, and then I start to think about me, right? And I blow it again. And I know God calls me to be kind to my neighbor and compassionate, but have you ever driven in Houston? It's kind of hard, right? And then there's all these great opportunities we had. Did you know Disney Plus got released this week? And you know how tempting it would be to just like totally binge on all the Marvel movies or Star Wars? Anybody tempted? My kids are. There's so many great opportunities. Carter and I got this great gift of uh, going to a University of uh, Houston basketball game. That was tons of fun, being a basketball uh, guru. And I love basketball. And I may have used to worship at the idol of basketball. It was the orb and everything in my life. And yet God pursues us because he wants to be number one in our life, right? He wants to, he wants to lead and guide so that we might uh, know his compassion and so that leads us to this, is if I'm no longer a slave to fear, no longer a slave, this is where I want to be, right? And where God can take me. No longer a slave of fear, no longer a slave to guilt, shame, doubt, despair, and arrogance. I start to recognize this, that God is the one who invites us who are weary, who are burdened, who are broken down because of ourselves, Maybe feeling guilty of failing people and not fulfilling our promises. And he says, here's my grace, my riches, because of Christ's work. And I give you rest in my name. I bring you into the eye of the storm. In the midst of the chaos of your own life or the chaos of this world, you can walk and move in this life with peace. I was just talking to someone before the service, and he was talking about, I work with a bunch of jaded people. Do you work with a bunch of jaded people? A lot of you are going, mm-hmm, yeah, I, I do. And what would it be, and what can it be to be that person of peace who's rest assured that God loves them? That, you know what, God's loved me. I don't deserve his love. But it's given to me as a gift. And there's, there's something about uh, a gift that's really annoying to us humans. Let me read this. Most of the time we hate anyone telling us what to do. Fair enough? Don't really like people telling me what to do. But ironically, grace offends us even more because it tells us there's nothing we can do. So God, God says there's nothing you can do 
that would cause me to love you more. There's nothing yet you've done in your past that would cause me to love you less. My grace is a free gift to you. I've given it to you. It's kind of like all these beautiful little kids here, right? Did they choose to have life? No, they were what? They were given life, right? They didn't choose to be born. They didn't choose their own name. They were given life and they were given a name, right? Likewise, right, God comes to us and God says, here's my gifts, here's my forgiveness, here's life in the eye that I give to you. There's nothing you've done that could cause me to love you less. There's nothing you could do that would cause me to take away my love. My love for you is 100% a gift to you. But there's a problem with that, with our human spirit, right? Because then we're out of control. We don't get to control it. And when we're not in control, us humans, we get a little bit what? We don't like it. And this is what I mean when I say this, that grace offends us because it tells us there's nothing we can do. And that everything has already been done for us. And if there is something we hate more than being told what to do, it's being told that we can't do anything. That's real quick. There was a a gentleman in our congregation who uh, uh, went missing this week. Elderly gentleman ended up hitting the news. And thanks for praying and he's safe. But that phone call of, hey, pastor, is there anything we can do? And my only answer is, pray. Even as a pastor, I feel hopeless. Like, totally hopeful for God that he's going to do what he does because I believe in the power of prayer. But I physically want to go do something, right? I want to go looking. But ready, search the North Metro area. Go. Like, you know what I mean by hopelessness and almost helplessness? And so this is what grace is really all about. We come to this point where we recognize that we're helpless and that we're weak. And yet God is great and God is full of hope and God's full of joy and says, hey, I want to just pour out my blessings upon you. But once in a while I get a little bit arrogant or I get full of despair and God says, no, let me remind you of who I am. And so when arrogance or despair come to well up inside you, God says, remember who I am. The one who's placed you in the middle of the storm with my grace and forgiveness. And all I ask for you to do is say, I believe you, God. That I'm broken and I'm wounded. And that you forgive me and give me new life. Which is where Jonah comes in. Because God had compassion and love for the people of Nineveh, but he refused to go. So God pursued him. Now this is where I really need you parents to tune in. Nineveh is almost equivalent in our day to ISIS. Go there and tell them that I, the God, and I, the creator of the world, love them. And if they don't repent in 40 days, they'll be destroyed. And you don't think Jonah's sitting there going, well, I'm going to get destroyed before they ever get destroyed if I say that kind of a message. And so he runs the other way. God gives him a second time and he says, Jonah, you just got saved by this fish. 
And Jesus says, just as Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days, so too I will be dead, but I will come back to life. And so Jesus promises his resurrection using the story of Jonah. But back to Nineveh, he goes to Nineveh and says, if you don't repent, if you don't admit your arrogance, if you don't admit what you've done is wrong, then your place is going to get destroyed. Do you know what the name Jonah means? It means dove. Can you just image, put this adult image in your head? A dove coming to ISIS. Can you imagine the images of, it might look like, you know, duck hunting on the Mississippi River in about October, right? So my question is this. Are there a group of people or a person in your world that though you know you should forgive them and you should have compassion towards them, your heart is hard towards them? Maybe because of something they've done to you or something they represent that just irks you like none other? That was Nineveh to Jonah. I'm going to ask Gary to come up because for some of us, uh, God chooses to use us in incredible ways to, to share God's love in incredible ways to people that sometimes, I don't know if we're on, probably, oh, I just turned it off. I'm awesome. I, I look at this. Why am I, right? I, I didn't tell. Is it on, Michael? Awesome. Yep. Hello. So, Gary, no. um, there we go. Gary and Frank um, and a guy, Jim, in our congregation, some others, have worked in a ministry called Kairos Ministry. It's an incredible thing. And these guys go into the prison system where you, most of us, would be really hesitant to go. And uh, God does amazing things. Like, did you know Kanye West is in Houston this week preaching the gospel? Who would have ever thought that's going to happen? In the prisons. Tonight at Lakewood, if you want to go get your ticket, good luck. Uh, God does incredible, miraculous things. And I want to, Gary, um, can you just share with us a little bit about uh, Kairos and some of the guys or guy that you've met that's kind of just blown your world? Well, let's see. First of all, I guess it's kind of consider myself like Jonah. You know, God pursued me and I'm like, not me. Frank asked me to be part of the ministry years ago and when he first did, it's like, why me? Not me. I don't want to do this, God. Um, and so I told Frank, I said, let me, let me pray about it, Frank. Uh, we Frank know what that means in Christianity. Right? Pardon? I know what that means. Usually, <laughs> pastor, I'm going to pray about it is what people say, and then I know what's coming next. I'm sure that's what Frank thought. Yeah. You know, I was going to pray about no. it and then say no. But, you know, I saw some of the passion that Frank had for the ministry, uh, just watching him for years. And again, I, I struggled with it. And, you know, I, I asked God this question. It's like, um, can you really love and forgive? Can you show these people love and forgiveness? And 
people inside of a prison? I mean, do you, do you, really, do you really love them? Do you forgive them? Uh, do they deserve your grace? And, and he fired back with the question, do you deserve my grace? And that was a low blow. That's, that's a pretty low blow to me. It's like, no, I don't. No. <laughs> no. I'll be there. I'll be there with you. And, uh, man, he showed me some amazing things. Um, I mean, he's changed some of the hardest of hearts. Frank can, Frank can verify some of this, people that just come in there and I mean, you can sense the darkness, and you can sense the evil around these people, and, and um, uh, they come in there, they, they want to change, they know they need to change, and just through the power of God and His Holy Spirit, I've seen Him change some people that, uh, I mean, you wouldn't believe it, it, it just, wow, I, I can't believe this is happening. Uh, we had a, a, a man come to the last Kairos who was a, a, a leader, a, in the Mexican Mafia, uh, uh, called himself Freddy Krueger, had the angel of death tattoo on his arm, and uh, he came and he talked a little bit, and it, at the end of the weekend, you know, he was kind of uh, getting into it and, and understanding a little bit about it, and talked about how he felt God's love and God's grace and, and the love of all the people that were there, but um, so this was in early October, and I came back Last weekend I went back. We have prayer and share every weekend. We do a couple of weekends every year for four days. Uh, it's been with those guys inside the prison. But every every weekend, every Saturday morning from 8.30 to 10.30, there's a group of us that also go back and do what we call prayer and share. Well, anyway, long story short, uh, this, this man's name was Felipe Mendoza. He was there last Saturday when I was there. And... He had a big smile on his face. He was happy. He didn't look like he looked when I first saw him. He, he was hugging people. He was smiling. He even opened up our meeting with a prayer. Uh, this man has signed up for Bible study at Hightower, and he's brought some other gang members with him. So it's like, I don't know, Ted, through all of this, it's like it just kind of blows my mind and and... You know, I, I dared God, I guess, when I went in there to, to show me that he can really, really love and forgive people like this. And boy, did he ever show me. Don't ever dare God. <laughs> and really, what, and what he showed me is that the God I believe in, he really and truly is who he says he is. And he can do anything. He can do anything at all. There's no darkness too black, and there's no evil too sinister mm. that our God can't overcome. So true. Wow. I tell you, uh, with what Gary has shared and uh, Jim shared this morning, um, and plenty of other stories, I get, I feel, I get, thank you, I have like the best job in the world. <laughs> you get to hear the stuff that God's doing and these are just, just a few of the stories which come back down to this question is, is God's grace as powerful as he says it is? Or 
do I limit it? Am I the limiting factor? Who in my life needs God's grace? For some of us, it may be you. Like you yourself, because you mentally beat yourself up and just shame and guilt is just, that's the narrative that you replay over and over and over again. And God would say, my grace is sufficient and I love you. And for some of you, you've been wounded and you've been beaten down and you've been marginalized and some horrific stuff has happened. And God would say, I would never expect you to forgive that person on your own. No way. But I am here for you and I'm with you. And if God could take that guy, or if God could take uh, Saul of Tarsus, who was a murderer of all murderers in the day, and transform that guy's heart, then I'll walk with you in this process of forgiveness. And so it's okay to say, hey God, I'm super bitter and super angry at this person and there's no way I can forgive them on my own. And that's just where God wants you to be, dependent on him. So no longer do you need to be a slave of independence, which is what's preached in our country, right? That's a true man, right? That's a true lady, one who can stand on their own two feet. And God would say, no, I want you to lay and rest in my arms. Hear my grace for you and let's walk in love and mercy together. Clung to the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. In Revelation it says, and many came to know by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And the there is God's people sharing the love of Jesus in the midst of the chaos he, the Prince of Peace, lets you sit there in the eye of the storm. If you bow your hearts with me. Father God, we praise you and we thank you. For your grace is enough. And we ask Jesus by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would come into our lives in those places, Lord, where we're bitter and we're angry. Where we're having a hard time forgiving. Lord, where we have frustration. And that you, Holy Spirit, would cling to us. And Lord, that we would cling to you and that together we'd walk in your grace. Overwhelmed by your grace that you've given to us. We thank you, God, that you're a pursuing God. One who loves with an abundant joy and unconditional love. May your story be our story. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen.